Alright Raiders, Laura Gaga here, also known as Reduction Raider. How you all doing? Hope you've had a good week. So if you're one of these who says, oh I could go vegan, but jeez, this next episode is for you. Sawyer, so, oh, well you'll see what I did there in a moment. But without further ado, let's welcome them on. and welcome to this week's guest. Can you start by telling us a bit about yourself? Hello, um, I'm Laura from The RT Vegan. Uh, I make up one half of The RT Vegan and we set it up two years ago with my father, Maurelio. Oh, wow. And I mean, what is The RT Vegan? For those that don't know, I'm glad to say I do because I've tried it on Flat Earth Pizzas. <laughs> the RT Vegan um, started off as a uh, sort of a take on making fresh tofu in London. Uh, my father learned how to make tofu in Japan about 35 years ago, 30 years ago. And um, he fell in love with the art of making it. And so I've been vegan all my life and both my parents are vegan and just grew up eating tofu because he would just make it at home the whole time. And I think towards two two years ago, I think he was kind of just getting sick of sort of working for other people. And he's always been into food and stuff. And um, he sort of wanted to do his own thing. Uh, and he's always done his own thing in the past. So like he, he sort of, he opened up businesses in India and um, small things out of garages and, you know, all ad hoc, uh, working with locals, working with their farming, um, of legumes that they had seasonally, all of that stuff sort of throughout wherever we traveled. My parents were big hippies, so I basically spent my first 14 years just all over the world. Um, yeah, he was always taking this skill to like work with locals and communities and putting that into food in some respect. And when we moved to this country, I think it was just, it's quite hard to sort of set up your own stuff. There's a lot of red tape and it's a bit sort of bureaucratic. And he wasn't really interested in that side of things, more in the creative stuff. So he was working for other people, other businesses, and then he kind of got a bit bored of it. So he was just like, okay, cool. Well, we're just gonna, we're gonna make, we're gonna do, we're gonna do tofu from home. I'm gonna try it. What do you think? And I said, yeah, go for it. Absolutely. I'll set up a little Instagram and off you go, see how it works out. And yeah, within about two weeks, the whole thing just went like spiraled up and we were busy and we were supplying the local sort of zero waste sustainable stores in East London and then it kind of grew to a bit of South London a bit of West London and all of it all of a sudden you know I was I was helping him out on my bike doing sort of deliveries of tofu to left right and center lots of people's homes and uh yeah and then it suddenly became clear that he couldn't do it on his own so I jumped on board as well and uh we both started making tofu but as much as that's the heart of the business, as we were making all this tofu, I, having been a vegan all my life, would see all this soya milk because that's what the base of tofu is made from. And I was like, well, why don't we start churning this soy milk into a range of goods? Like, let's see what we can do. Can we create a range of goods that comes from one bean and not throw anything away? Let's see what that's like because supplying to all these sustainable stores was really sort of inspiring us to, to do even better the whole time. And so we started experimenting. We put our heads down two months just experimenting with recipes um, to try and make cheese. And then so the other half of the business is now vegan cheese, which is where you tried the mozzarella on the flat earth pizza because we supply them now with our cheese. Um, and yeah, I guess it specializes in in melting cheeses. It's quite hard to find good vegan melting cheeses. 
uh, and fresh cheeses. So these cheeses are not cultured, um, they're not aged, and they're made almost like on a weekly basis to keep it really sort of fresh. There's so much that I love about this story. Like, <laughs> I'm a little bit starstruck because I've never met anyone that's been vegan since birth. Oh, yeah. I think it's becoming more common now. But for a long time growing up, I was like, yeah, there's there's nobody who, who, who was vegan from birth. But so, yeah, my parents were a little bit like old school kind of revolutionaries, really, in that sense. Like now veganism is quite a trend. It's, it's, it's fashionable. Lots of people do it. Health reasons, sustainable reasons, loads of reasons. Um, but yeah, back in the day, I think they got a lot of uh, they, I think they got a lot of shit for it because they were like your bad parents. You are not giving your children the right foods. But, you know, I think they were they were quite well educated in food. So they made sure we had sort of balanced diets. And I think I think we've turned out all right, hopefully. <laughs> well, you look all right to me. <laughs> hey, was there ever the temptation to rebel as you were growing up? Do you know, what? I think the only time I remember ever having like a real sort of moment was again it was only really when we came to this country that I think we realized that veganism was a bit sort of different because when you go to sort of the other side of the world I mean in places like India and Sri Lanka I would say 80 to 90 percent of the food is vegan anyway or vegetarian so it's not that strange for people to have this kind of diet but definitely when we sort of were in Europe um, it became more apparent that actually these are the things you don't eat and that's very strange and that's very weird so, yeah, I remember coming here and being at school and I think there were marshmallows going around. And I was like, what the hell is this? This looks really cool. What, what is this? It was like very evidently can't have this. And I remember there was a little moment where I got very upset that I was like, oh, I really want to try the marshmallow. But when I was 18, I ended up going to America on a job and I found vegan marshmallows. And it was the happiest day ever. I bought a massive packet, sat there, stuffed my face and it was epic. Worth the wait. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Sounds like a good day. Sounds like a very good day. And I mean, what else that I just sort of found really revolutionary is that I had no idea that the cheese basically just came as a byproduct from the tofu. I mean, that's so cool that you had this surplus product, wanted to do something with it, and then the Arty Vegan was born. I mean, I think it's really sort of developed over the two years. I mean, if we start off with the one bean that you soak and you make into soy milk, that soy milk is then churned into either tofu or cheese. And then on top of that, the extra sort of, I think, jazzy element to the RT Vegan is that you at the end of that, you also get this fibrous residue pulp called okara. And in Japan, it's very sort of well used and they use it in cooking and it's it's hailed a little bit as a superfood. But in, in most other countries, it just gets chucked away. And uh, so we've started using this to make one of our best sellers actually in our shop, uh, the Okara granola. So it's like a high protein granola. So we dry it down and we add, you know, all the, all the things that make it taste lovely. Um, and, and you get a granola. We also work with a small business called Dough Life who make our bread and we've been working with them. And then they add the Okara to the sourdough bread. So you get a high protein bread. So it's all about trying to just use every aspect of that bean and, and seeing what you can do because it's it's sort of an endless product it just keeps giving so yeah we're kind of nerds of the soybean me and my dad we love it <laughs> and so is that what your current relationship with food is made up of soybeans 100 percent. i mean i know there's a lot of <laughs> myths and rumors about soya being bad for you but i do say this a lot to our customers i'm like 
I'm not really sure why it's got such bad press. I mean, I, I know that there's a lot of sort of negative press associated with deforestation and the soybean being the main element for that. Um, but the reality is, is most of that soy is not being used to make tofu. Most of that soy is being fed to cattle. And that's what's causing the damage. So that's one aspect of it. And then there's these health things too, where there, I think there's a lot of misinterpretation of phytoestrogen versus estrogen and the amounts of that and how much you should eat. Now, I think we do eat ridiculous amounts of soy in, in our family. I'm not saying that that's necessarily the healthiest thing to do, but I am saying that I think if you compare unprocessed foods with processed foods, there's always a really big difference. If you compare the cocoa bean to a Cadbury milk chocolate bar, we're not really talking about the same product. And I think with soy, you get that a lot as well. So one of the things we try and do is just remove as much of the processing all of that bean as possible. So whatever you're eating is as close to a sort of whole food as it can be, which I think I'm no scientist, but I think it, it must be better for you. Sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sat here. I'm a, little, I'm a little bit in awe. I sort of feel like it should now be called the um, Ori vegan. <laughs> the Ori vegan. Why not? Yeah, that's well, that's, yeah, I'm the Ori vegan. I'm an Ori vegan. <laughs> but I mean, has there been sort of much differences between your current relationship with food to your past? I mean, you've been vegan all your life. Has anything really differed? I think so. I think it's an interesting question because I think definitely, so a bit of backstory about sort of my family. Um, as I said, my parents are big hippies. They love to travel. But um, when we finally moved to this country, when we arrived here as a family, my mother was heavily pregnant with my last sister. We were actually homeless. And the cost of food suddenly became something that was very significant in our lives. And I think vegan or not vegan, the cost of living in London was so full on that I think as a family, it was a sort of wake up call to, to what it means to live in this part of the world. And so I suppose our relationship with food, I would say collectively, even though my dad's not here to sort of speak for himself, I definitely think that over time, I think we, we've recognized our responsibility as a business to try and keep things as affordable as they can be. Um, or if not manage to do that, then definitely create a range of products so that you're not just catering for people who can afford uh, a lifestyle choice. Um, we sell, you know, the sort of Okara very cheaply just for free. Sometimes we give it to loads of charities and we, we make sort of like at Christmas, we do Okara burgers because the cost is like nothing. And we give that to sort of homeless charities. And we try really hard to sort of do community work like that because it's true. It's, it's, it's hard to sort of have a relationship with food that is good quality and not have loads of money in your pocket to have that choice. So I would say it's a sort of perhaps a different tangent to answer that question. But I would say that I think as a family, I think our, our eyes were definitely opened around the cost of food. And I think that's impacted our business. So... Yeah. Does that kind of answer the question? <laughs> it, it does. And, it, you know, and it's a really wonderful answer. And I think something that we take for granted, um, because I do think there is almost something about veganism that, that it, it, it's perhaps sort of seen as um, a choice for the privileged. Yeah. Um, you know, sort of 
quite expensive. Um, I mean, I don't think it's expensive, but I think there's this sort of misconception yeah. that it is. And, and I think as well, it's, you know, it's um, gathered momentum and attention. And I think with that, you know, things then become trendy. And so, um, you know, there's all of these different products being made and, and, you know, and I think, you know, some people get forgotten in that as well. And I think, you know, the main principle is that everybody should have access to affordable food. Yeah. You know, I, I suppose what I'm saying is, is there's something about it to get um, commodernized. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. And I think whilst that's very true, as in with all trends and all sort of things that are created and then become other things that are more popular, I think... With food, it's, it's often very hard, especially if you're making things by hand or you're keeping them small, because to to enlarge that quality, uh, sorry, to enlarge the amount that you're making, so to basically up capacity, often you have to compromise on quality. So a lot of the stuff that people can afford is kind of a bit of like, it's just not that great. There's just a lot of cheap stuff in there, which isn't great. And so we're definitely trying to find trying to find a middle ground somewhere where people can still be consuming something good at a, at an all right price, um, which is, which is tricky. It's definitely not, I don't see a lot of it. So we're, we're, we're in, we're in a zone that I feel like hasn't been treaded on too much. So we'll see, but um, that's the plan. That's, that's always been the aim definitely from sort of our personal experience. And it's so lovely that you um, give surplus food to charities as well. That's incredible. Yeah, I mean, there's some great, there's some great also other small businesses that do brilliant, like the small cafes in um, Walthamstow. There's the Hornbean Cafe. Um, yeah, there's a there's a few others, and they do brilliant stuff because I mean, they might have a menu, but then they also do loads of sort of community based work too. Uh, Made in Hackney often sort of come and grab kilos of our stuff and just take it off and like whip up a lasagna or or something like that. You know, it's great and it's nice to not be able to sort of be there physically all the time doing the thing but to be able to donate that that stuff is it's a nice thing to be a part of that circle definitely and I love the community field that you describe like you know like I found out about you guys through you know speaking to flat earth pizzas and you know and yeah now you're talking about sort of Hornbean cafe and made in Hackney and you know it, it just sort of really feels interlinked um yeah, yeah. And I guess sometimes, I suppose, I suppose I'm thinking sometimes like businesses and um, shops and consumerism, it can feel quite anonymous. I think especially in this age of ordering things on Amazon and, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm as guilty as the next person of sort of like, you know, hitting, putting basket. But, you know, they become something quite anonymous. And even like when we're thinking about in supermarkets, you're using self-checkouts, but it's... Um, what you're describing feels really personable, you know, like when the surplus food goes to charities and the burgers for Christmas and, you know. I mean, it's a funny one. I I think whenever we talk about it, me and my dad, we're always a bit like sort of, I'm I'm an actor. That's what I do. That's my, that's my actual job. And it's like, I just fell into this because my dad wanted to do something and and it kind of was out of control just on his own. So, you know, and my dad's a guy who loves food. Um, both of us over two years have definitely had to learn what business even means because you know you go into these meetings and these rooms with people and they talk about I don't know profit margins and cash margins and all this stuff and I'm just most of the time just sitting there just like nodding professionally but have no idea what you're just talking about so 
it's been so much of that that actually that the one thing that I think feels so comforting and amidst sometimes this crazy sort of like you say capitalist consumerist world that you're kind of involved in now by chance the one thing that's really comforting is that actually when you open the shop open or, or you get an email from somebody who wants your goods or a thank you or whatever it's that communication and finding out about like somebody else's life and why they want to eat here or why they they don't want to eat here or why they disagree with you which is even better because then you're into sort of debate territory which is which is lovely because i think that's the only way progression's ever going to happen you know talking about it and having that sort of really open connection and learning from one another because yeah i'm getting into sort of hippie talk here but i am saying you know i do believe in it i really do and it's the best part of doing anything i think small business related it's that interlinked and the vegan community here is also really lovely they're really supportive so yeah and so what do you feel like you guys do well in terms of food waste well i think that yeah i mean i think using the pulp is a big one because we i mean if you if you ever if you ever fancy it come to a tofu workshop come and learn how to make some tofu with us um you'll see that actually using 500 grams of beans you'll make 500 grams of tofu but then you'll get 750 grams of this okara pulp it's actually more than what you actually intended to make so using that up and trying to keep that waste as low as possible um one of, I think, the most inventive ideas we had was using this pulp as ice packs. So for all our nationwide deliveries, we freeze it with a bread recipe. So when people order cheese, they can then make bread using the okara to eat with their cheese. Just, you know, trying to come up with these innovative ways. So that, I would say, is the most interesting aspect that I think we do with food waste. Um, but also a meticulous effort to to really do the research behind sort of packaging and carbon footprint. So I spent a long time sort of calculating, you know, if we source our beans from here and we order it once a year, vis-a-vis -vis if we source our beans from somewhere closer, but we have to order it a few more times a year, what is the difference in carbon footprint? What's the best solution there? organic versus not organic. How does that affect the world? How does that affect our footprint again? Um, so yeah, just a sort of real passion for food waste, I think has enabled us to potentially do some good things about trying not to do so much of it. Um, well, well, when that passion really comes through, I mean, not just when you're an actor. <laughs> I don't know, it's always easy when I'm talking about cheese. Don't ask me about my actual work. That's very embarrassing. I can't do that. <laughs> but I mean, just like the energy that you have for it, because I think probably what happens, I mean, obviously you're doing this on sort of like a business scale, but I think, you know, as an individual, so say, for example, I'm making tofu, you know, you see all of this leftover pop, you feel overwhelmed. You don't know what to do with it. You see, you think, all right, well, let me just bin it or, you know, put it down the sink or whatever it is that you do with it and I think that sort of energy to be like right well I don't need to bin it I can sort of turn it into this or I can freeze it for a later day and you know that enthusiasm is really really contagious oh well I'm, yeah I, it's a tricky way it's like it's quite hard because I think that if you if you yourself and I think definitely my family coming from what we we've come from and also just sort of the ethos that we live by if you really live by that ethos, it's quite hard then to sort of try and cut corners when you're when you're doing something as a business. 
um, I, I get livid, you know, when one packaging has a hole in it and we have to bin it. I'm like, oh, I have to write an email, you know? I'm like, no, this is unacceptable. Why is there one that's wrong? What, have you checked the thing? Like, what, you know, why did I have to bin that one? Or, you know, and it, it is, and it's, sometimes you have problems like that because you are working on a scale and it's not easy to have everything meticulous and everything the way you sort of wanted it to. But I suppose the attempt is in trying to to do that very best. And and yeah, I think we definitely have like endless energy in trying. We might not always succeed, but we do try. <laughs> and I think that's a really lovely sentiment. I mean, I'm just thinking back to um, an episode with Maya from Green and White. They make sustainable um, household and cosmetic um products and mm. you know and she was talking about sort of trying to be vegan trying to adopt more of a plant-based diet trying to be more thoughtful about what she ate and you know and it's um yeah and I mean I just, we love a trier don't we and I think sometimes it can be sort of easy to think oh you know this person should fit into this box of doing this or they should do that or you know or sometimes we take something on you know like with me now being vegan a few years I would naturally love to see everybody vegan but I think yeah. the reality is that's not the world in which we live in you know mm -hmm. so I think sort of trying to move away from an all or nothing and almost meet people where they are with that trying as well 100% I think it's it's so funny I, I I was I was talking to my dad and I was saying um sometimes it's very interesting because with veganism just having been a part of our lives as like normal as in growing up with it and it never having to be a change or, or or something that we sort of actively choose because of our parents um I was saying to my dad I was saying you know when I was 11 years old I remember just being like rampant and outraged at the world and you know going around the playground playground just being like you're a bad person because you're doing this and obviously at the end of all of that I was saying you know you don't make any friends nobody likes you nobody listens to you, you don't get anywhere. And it's like, obviously, a couple of years later, down the line now, um, I look back on that, on that person, and I go, oh, yeah, like, there's so much in gaining sort of an understanding of our differences, and why that's different, and what people are missing, or what people want, or how they're changing things in their own way that you haven't even thought of. You know, I mean, it's so relative. Um, that I think that's why I was saying discussion is such a massive part, I think, of our sort of our feeling definitely in our shops I mean most people come in and have a chat more than they do buy anything you know just because it's it's so so great you know so and when it comes to veganism cheese always seems to be the sticking point I mean how often do you hear you know I could go vegan but it's a cheese and I love the cheese and I can't give up cheese and what about cheese and I know, you know, I know. <laughs> it's, it's hard it's definitely improving I feel like the vegan cheese game from all, all sides is very much improving but yeah, I mean, my, my partner is not uh, vegan. And when I met him six years ago, took him to a sort of vegan fair just to be like, oh, well, you've never heard of vegan. This is what veganism's about. And I think he tried a couple. And he, I mean, he almost threw up. He was like, God, this is awful. And I was like, oh, no. And so obviously, when we started this, it was like a go to, you know, just being like, does this pass the test? What do you think? Does that come close? What do you think? And actually now he, he rarely eats dairy. Like he rarely eats meat. I mean, he was eating meat three times a day and it's not because of any forcefulness. I think it's just when you start to think about it, certain things make sense and other things start to fall away and you have to change an opinion and everybody's sort of on their journey, I guess. So, yeah.
Yeah, absolutely. It's this real sort of um, building blocks, isn't it? You know, I think it's, I mean, we change and we evolve, don't we? That's part of the human condition, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so is there anything that you want to do more of in terms of sort of food waste, reducing food waste? More in terms of reducing food waste. I mean, I would love to, because I think now that we're upscaling, um, my sort of our next mission definitely is making, um, we have a sort of back kitchen where we used to produce, now it's being produced somewhere else, a lot much larger. Now, with the sort of upscaling, it's quite hard to calculate numbers for stuff that you need, how many kilos of everything, how many numbers of everything. And at the end of every week, you do get this surplus food. And there are so many options now to, to kind of send it off to a company that will give it at half price somewhere else. Or, you know, there, there's loads of options to sort of sort that. But I'm trying to find a kind of unique way to sort of use it in in food again that can be served on on place, um, on plus, like on like outside outdoors, if that makes sense, at the actual sort of shop. Um, so basically using any surplus into food that we can then reuse to, to feed people at, at a really, really good price. So that's kind of my the next thing we're trying to do. Um, and I don't know how we're going to do that because a lot of our stuff is is very fresh food. So it's going to be really a sort of, I suppose, an interesting task in in learning how to preserve what we make, but not using preservatives and, and trying to find new ways of cooking it that just push it a bit longer so that we still have time to sort of get rid of it, basically. What do you think there's any scope then for you guys to make your own nutritional yeast? Oh, wow. Gosh. <laughs> Full of good ideas, mate. I have, I, have a, I have a nice, I have a nice idea about sort of using nutritional yeast and very much Okara to make a lovely cheese. But um, uh, making your own nutritional yeast, I don't know. I feel like that's a, that's a stretch. If we can make nutritional yeast out of the soybean, I'm going to put my head down and have a think about it. <laughs> All right. Well, you'll have to keep us posted. You'll have to let us know what you come up with. Yeah. And so what changes would you want to see in the world? Gosh, um, what changes would I like to see in the world? What would we like to see in the world? You know, I think it's sort of the obvious ones, I suppose. A lean towards more plant-based living, a lead towards low waste or low impact living, uh, a lead towards that being for a possibility for everyone but i think most of all i think it's uh i think it's already happening i think it's a sort of a general awareness i think um even in politics even in sort of the state of the world geographically and how things are moving with people moving immigration refugee crisis all of it brexit um the stark differences that are that are happening that keep us apart and that make us conflicted are becoming apparent. And with that comes a sense of passion and urgency to try and also find change. And I think that that's happening. So I'd like to see a more sort of collective world, I guess, you know, where it doesn't matter about gender and it doesn't matter about race and it doesn't matter about sexuality or, or trans or, or whatever, you know, sort of all coming together to, to make a harmonious living standard that's not just driven by the ego. Let's say philosophically, I'd say that that's what we'd all, we definitely, my family would love to see. Um, but in terms of business, I'd like to see more businesses choosing perhaps a harder option 
for the better good rather than choosing the easy option for the greater money. That's what I'd love to see. Yeah, yeah, that's giving me a bit goosebumps. That's what I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it's making me feel like that's something. I mean, that's probably something I could do in my own life that I think we could all take 100%. from, you know? I mean, so- this is not talking from a place of like, hey, we've got it, I'm doing it. This is a working progress, I think, for all human beings. I mean, we're all walking floors. So I think it's it's a, it's it's become less about food, I suppose, this conversation, more about as a human being, what what, what are we trying to achieve in life? What is the point? So I don't know. Well, when you said that, it brought, you know, obviously before we started recording, you and I was talking about your uni days and when you was like um, sort of diving in skips and taking out food, you know, and sort of what you said about, um, let me make sure I paraphrase it right, but like doing something sort of taking a harder option for the greater good rather than taking the easy option for the greater profit. Yeah. That sort of feels like when when sort of businesses were just, been in food um you know that was sort of good quality food that had no business being binned that felt like that was all profit driven yeah I mean it's bizarre it's like sort of it's you know even sometimes you sort of go on a website you want to order something and it's like if you order a hundred it'll be much cheaper for you but if you order just what you need super expensive and you're just like I get it I know why but it's so counterproductive for sort of anything because everything goes to waste in the end because you're like, well, it's just too much. We don't we don't need this. Why does it have to be? Why can you never sell out? Why is selling out a bad thing? Why do you always need to have a bit more stock? You know, I mean, somebody once said to me, oh, you sell out all the time. That's that's not great. That doesn't look good. I was like, what? I thought it looked great. <laughs> and then you're like, OK, well, maybe I have to make more. You're always ending up with a bit extra that yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh, well, fascinating. And it and dumpster diving is what I was trying to think of. Not diving is skips, dumpster diving. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I mean, there's loads there. There's so much good stuff. I, I said, you know, sort of did it for for definitely, I'd say about half a year, and it was very easy to eat. I mean, there was a lot. It was a couple of years ago, so I don't know if it's still going on. Hopefully, they've they've gotten better and they're not wasting as much. But it was very good. <laughs> well, like, what sort of stuff would you pick up? I mean, sushi like crazy you know I mean like Tesco's and stuff they have like the vegetable sort of sushi things um yeah all those little salads you know edamame bean salads and like all those things that are sort of fresh foods already packaged ready to eat got loads of that stuff that they chucked away and I was just like gosh not having any of it my favorites I'll definitely get in there yeah, and you're not the first person to say that to me. Like, I spoke to Hazel from the People's Army, I think it was in the first few episodes, and she spoke about sort of, um, you know, collecting food that was being binned and things like sushi and stuff coming from, like, Itsu and places like that. And I think, you know, part of the reason is what you describe about this sort of overordering because, you know, when shelves are stocked, it's supposed to look more appealing to customers. You know, I mean, I'm mindful that... We're not that far off the dreaded C word. And I think, you know, especially at sort of those times that you see like everything in abundance. Yeah. No, not, right. Not not for need or necessity, but for um marketing purposes. Yeah, it's yeah, it's we talk about it all night. I mean, it is it's mind-blowing. And I think again, sort of now I'm sort of in a sort of business by chance. It becomes so much more apparent when you see those things being done in other businesses or sort of you walk down the street and you see advertising and you're like, I know exactly why this is this is this. 
you know, I know exactly what you're trying to do there because I had a chat with somebody else who tried to tell us to do this. And I'm like, no, I'm not interested. Stop trying to break us down. Like, we're not going to do it. We're not going to change our packaging. Go away. Um, <laughs> you know, like, it's got to be more colorful. It's got to be more this. And you're just like, yeah, but does it? Does it? Who knows? Well, I agree with you. I think you, guys, <laughs> you guys definitely sound like you're the whole package. It's been um, so lovely to have you on chatting. I definitely need to uh, get myself down to East London. Definitely. You must. You must. Come over. Try everything. We've always got loads to try anyway. So, and where, can pe- where pe- can people find you? Where's this uh, shop? We've got, yeah, we've got two shops. Uh, one's a sort of refill shop. Uh, and then refrigerated goods, frozen goods, lovely wines, all of that. Um, that's in Angel Islington, 21 White Conduit Street, just off Chapel Market. Um, that's open every day from about 11 till 6, hopefully opening a bit later soon. Uh, and then we've got Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we're in Nettle Market in London Fields. So, uh, yeah, sort of small pop-up. We do cheese toasties and uh, sometimes we do raclette. We bosh out a stew once in a while when it gets cold. Uh, and we've got all our cheeses there and stuff to sell to. Amazing. And if people want to find you digitally, where's the best places to go? Uh, Instagram, I'd say. We've got a website. It's um, thertvegan.com. Um, but Instagram, at thertvegan, that's probably where we shout about everything we're, we're trying to do and where we are and what's what's new. Oh, it's been so lovely chatting to you. I'm definitely going to come down to that angel store. Brilliant. Oh, I'm really, really glad. It's been absolutely lovely. I feel like this was no interview. This was chatting with a friend. This is excellent. Yeah, yeah, it's over vegan cheese and wine. (laughs) And have you got any? Now I'm asking more questions. Have you got any any exciting acting jobs coming up? Acting jobs? Oh, gosh. God, self promotion for acting, the worst bit. Uh, I do actually I, I well I uh, London Film Festival there's an excellent film called um, Ali and Ava okay directed by uh, Kyle Bernard and um, I'm in that and it's doing pretty well it premiered at Cannes um, and yeah a few things I'm also filming Grandchester at the minute I don't know if anybody watches Grandchester but apparently it's very popular I don't know no I'm, well, I've never heard of it I don't know what it is I don't know it's a sort of uh, priest murder mystery kind of like british sort of quiet village in cambridge um yeah the whole shebang there so it's set in the 60s sort of 50s 60s 70s um yeah (laughs) well well, i hope you're taking your cheese on set or at least some business cards (laughs) i do end up taking a few i do i do somehow we always end up talking about cheese i must stop that (laughs) oh well it has been so lovely chatting to you oh you too thank you so much for having us and uh, my dad says hello and thanks for listening whoever's out there (laughs) oh hello dad (laughs) (laughs) our laura has really motivated me to get my act on all right i will stop with the puns well for one week at least Hope you all enjoyed that, Raiders. If you did, please take a moment to rate, review, share, subscribe, and I will speak to you all next week. Bye.